Hello. Greetings to everyone who's joining with me today here on Voices, and to all who will listen later through the archives. My name is Teresa Smith, and I am the pastor of the Father's Church of Tucson in southern Arizona in the USA. As always, I'm really grateful for the opportunity of sharing my heart with you guys in a devotional word here on Voices. One of the things that I've been praying about in these days is actually all of you. I am so aware of our network, which now spans the globe. I, like many of you, would normally be preparing to travel to Dallas right about now to participate in the Saints Network seminar that usually happens in March. I actually went online yesterday on the Saints Network website at www.saintsnetwork.net and signed up to virtually attend the seminar. And I'm really grateful for all of the virtual ways that we've been keeping connected. But I've been remembering that last year around this time, I was in Dallas with a group from our church as COVID-19 began to cause all the daily changes in our travel, our hotel, our ability to gather together. You all know how it's been. But I want you to know that no matter where you are, or no matter how isolated you may feel, even if you're just one person and praying by yourself in your own little prayer room with no group around, I understand how that is, you are not really alone. You are with us, and we are together in this walk of faith. And truly, as it says in Philippians 3, verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven, And as those citizens of heaven, we are together. So whether you are in Florida or Europe or South America or Antarctica, we join together in the spirit and prayer, and we are one in Christ, wherever you are. And I'm very thankful for each one of you for your commitment to pursue the heart of God and to pray and to walk in unity with Christ and with us. It makes me think of the letters written by Paul in the New Testament. For example... In Philippians 1, verse 3, Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that God who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, just as it is right for me to think of this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both my chains, in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you, all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? And it goes on and it says, and this I pray And this is my prayer for you, too, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Wow, that was a long intro. I know. But it sure has been resounding within me as I've prayed for all of you. I know that one day we will have the opportunity again to gather together in the natural with the saints. We will again be able to travel easily from country to country, 
from city to city, from continent to continent. But just remember that until then, we are still united before the throne by the power of the Holy Spirit through prayer. And even if your church is not meeting together or if you are unable to travel and things are shut down, that doesn't mean that we get to be on vacation. The work of the saints continues. And in fact, as you know, it is for these days that the saints are fashioned. We are called to arise for this time. I'm sure that, like me, many of you have read Apostle Crawford's book, The Saints, as you began this walk. And remember that saint comes from that Greek word, hagias, and holds within it the concept of being committed to allowing God to change you into his image so that you can be filled with his plans and his purposes. It is my abiding prayer that we would walk in holiness as we manifest the perfect plans, the perfect purpose of our Father here on earth as it is in heaven. The passage that I really want to share with you today is from Second Peter chapter 1, and we'll just start at the beginning and read through verse 9. It's my prayer that this reminder that we share in the divine nature of Christ will be an encouragement to you in these days. Remember that in Colossians 1 verse 27, it says that the mystery of the ages is now revealed to the saints and it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. More than ever, more than ever before, we all need to lay hold of this truth. Saints, God is not far off and unlistening. He's not ignoring us. Neither are we adherents to some New Age philosophy that says that we are each gods of our own choosing and fashioning and form. I'll be really honest with you. I don't really want to be God, nor do I want my God to be like me. Rather, I want to be a willing, those so often obviously broken vessel, that jar of clay that scripture teaches about, that Christ may fill me by his Holy Spirit, and that Christ can really be in me the hope of glory. So anyway, back to Second Peter verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that you shall neither, neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
But he that lacks these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. I really love this concept of being partakers of the divine nature. And I love that this passage shares with us some ways that we might do that by following the things that are given to us in these great and precious promises. And we know that during these days, when darkness is around us and things seem to be corrupt everywhere we look, that we can escape the corruption that is in the world through lust, through those things that are impure, so that we can escape all of that corruption. And I wanted to share with you that we gain more grace and peace from God as we grow in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. And now who among you needs more grace and peace during these days? I know that I sure do. And the way that we do it is that we grow in the knowledge of God and in Jesus our Lord. I know that seems a bit like Christianity 101, but sometimes there are such abounding fallacies around us that I feel like we just need to be reminded of these things that seem like simple truth. So we gain more grace and peace from God as we grow in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. God has given us everything we need to live a godly life, it tells us here, and we receive it by coming to know him. Here is our escape to a higher life. God has given us great and precious promises. These promises enable us to share in his divine nature and escape the corruption of the world that is caused by evil desires, or as it says in the passage, lust, but evil desires are carnal nature, the things that are from carnal man. So, we respond to God's promises. We respond by supplementing our faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, or what this passage calls virtue. When we find something in our character that is less than morally excellent, we need to allow God to teach us, and then he will change us. We grow in grace. To this moral excellence, it says, we add knowledge. We know that scripture says that we are to study to show ourselves approved. Knowledge is more than just gathering info and having intel, though. In Stacy Maston's book, Line Upon Line, I really like this passage where she talks about knowledge. She says that knowledge means to enjoy a full vista of wisdom. Jesus patterned what it meant to be a son of God. As joint heirs, this requires a grasp of applied knowledge of him in our walk in ministry. This wisdom will come from the experience of partnering with him, as well as from impartations of his mind to us. I like that. Knowledge is the combination of applied knowledge and the impartation of the mind of God to us. In this... We have knowledge. And to this, we add self-control or temperance, as it says here. There's so much trouble that we can avoid if we walk in this fruit of the Spirit that is self-control. If we look around us in these days, we see that liberty abounds, but self-control is very rare. To self-control, we add patience 
I hear you out there whispering that patience is the first sign of the apostolic. To patience, we add godliness. Godliness is something that we don't just acquire. It's not just slapped onto us. We must work toward godliness because we see that in in 1 Timothy 4, 7. If you remember, it says, exercise yourself rather unto godliness. And I think this business of exercising unto godliness and rejecting profane and old wives' fables, as it talks about in in 1 Timothy 4, is really critical in our day. We could do a modern-day rewrite that says, reject social media fables and exercise yourself unto godliness. There's a part of us that needs to reject those things that are not the mind of Christ. We, We learn to do that. Block the things that are bad. Harness the things that are good. Supplement godliness with brotherly kindness. And to that, add agape. So here in this passage, we have faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, kindness, and agape. It's not too different a list from the fruits of the Spirit. And it sounds like a good recipe. You know, I love to cook. Sometimes I follow a recipe. Sometimes I just add a little of this and a little of that. And I can sort of predict what the end result will be, but I never know. But this gives us a recipe, basically. And with this recipe, we are adding faith, moral excellence or virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, kindness, and agape. And in verse 8, we are told the result. It says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For if these things be in you and abound... They make you so that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I know that I don't want to be barren. I live in the desert in Arizona, and you can look around certain places and nothing will grow. It really is barren or idle. The ground is idle. Nothing happens there that brings fruit. And unfruitful, of course, is either no fruit or it can also mean bad fruit. These are the things that we want to avoid, right? Being barren and unfruitful. We will be productive and useful for Christ. That's what we really want. We will be sons who know our Father and who fulfill the mission of the saints of God in the plan of God for the earth. And those are all things that we that we hope for and that we want to pursue, so in order to do that, I'm encouraging you to to continue in prayer, to continue in study, to continue to allow God to change you into the image of Christ as we walk through these days. And so until next time, saints, I say blessings to you and keep on praying. We love you guys. <music>